I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Just like that, the final hour is here for the Thursday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. You can join Chad in the chat right now. YouTube stream rolling. Search out Outkick and uh, subscribe to the channel there. Check us out, outkick.com as well. Chad, how would you describe the first uh, couple hours of the show today Flying as we by. go into the weekend? Flying by. Going fast. That's what we love to see. Got headlines coming up and uh, plenty of headlines coming up this weekend with the uh, championship weekend across college football. Uh, I think there's going to be some craziness. Maybe we see chalk with the unbeatens. Maybe not. Anwar Richardson joins us. Orange Bloods uh, is the site through Rivals. You know it. Uh, covering all things Texas Longhorns. Anwar, uh, thank you for the time. Hope things are well. Everything's going good, man. I've been uh, growing out this mustache for Movember, uh, doing well it for done. suicide awareness. I look like uh, every uh, black cop that's been in every <laughs> Hollywood movie at this moment. But uh, nonetheless, heading towards a championship weekend, leaving for Arlington um, after my show tomorrow uh, and to see what kind of uh, madness uh, ensues. I did feel like you were about to interrogate me and not the other way around when you came on. <laughs> you were going to be the ones asking the question uh, in this interrogation. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking up the cause as well. Um, what is the best, the no-brainer scenario for you in all the debate about Texas getting into the college football playoff? What assures, other than a win, what do you feel like the Longhorns need? I think the Longhorns need a Georgia victory and an FSU loss. And, and, and I'll, I'll explain why. I think a Georgia victory does a couple of different things. It, it eliminates Alabama from the conversation, right? So we don't have to worry about what does that look like, you know, with SEC and Alabama, Georgia. You know, I don't think Texas needs to get into a, a three-team tie with two SEC teams. Like, because I'm trying to imagine, can you imagine a scenario where both SEC teams don't make it in the playoffs? I, and, uh, that's mind numbing to me. Right? I agree, but if you're if we just play the role of uh, best win, Bama will mm-hmm. be considered to have the best win against the number one team in the country. However, Texas would also have a win over Bama, who has the quote unquote best win of the season. Well, and- Again, I, I I go back. I I think you'd easily make the argument for the Longhorns there, but the question would be: Does the committee have Georgia fall out of the four to go from one until out? I- Based on the law, and you've already got Nick Saban petitioning publicly, saying that it would be disrespectful to the SEC if there wasn't an SEC team in the Final Four, which we knew was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and coaches are going to start doing. It. It's that time of year where they're going to start Correct. pleading their case, right? And then, of course, when 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 Boo was asked about this, you know, this week, right? And they they're asked about like how they're determining the top four, right? And he asked about the hypothetical with Alabama and Texas both at twelve and one. What does he say? He goes, those tiebreaker criteria are not prioritized. So it'll be up to the judgment of each committee member which of the tiebreakers are more important to him or hmm. her. There's just no established priority for the tiebreakers. Well, 
Hello, that's just that's just flipping a coin at that point, right? So it's funny what you're talking about. Everything you're talking about, you guys are talking about is like logic, right? This is abstract. This is just how do you feel? This is not the things that you and I know to be true, like head to head, right? That, like it's funny because we have the conversation about like Alabama. What happens if Alabama beats Georgia? People keep asking me that question, and I just keep saying. From the time that we started playing sports, right? Whether it was at, at four years old, whether it's a T-ball, whatever it was, whenever you played for the Lions or the Dragons or you know the Tigers, whatever the team was, right? To 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 YMCA to the pros, the first tiebreaker was always head to head. Like yep. that's it, right? It was always head to head, right? From the time that literally our parents were driving us to a game to the time you you know we watch NFL, it's always head to head. Now suddenly, if that's a scenario, people are like, "Well, what do you do? What I don't know what we do. We apply our sports rules, right? That's what we're supposed to do." Um, but so I think that for me, if, if Georgia beats Alabama, we eliminate all that potential chaos. Could you leave an SEC team out? All that kind of stuff. Then I think for me, the second portion of it is an FSU loss. And I think if you get an FSU loss, then the path is clear, right? Georgia's in. Whoever wins Washington and Oregon, they're in. Michigan's already in. And then Texas just gets to ease on in without any talk, without any controversy. I think the chaos, though, and I hear people try to tell me and try to sell me on, hey, Alabama beating Georgia is a good thing. And I just go back to, I don't know if that's a good thing for Texas because the committee is speaking. Like, in spite of all the metrics that will tell you that Texas should be ranked ahead of Oregon, the committee is saying no, right? They refuse, even though it's a strength of schedule, the Texas strength of schedule is better than Oregon, even though Texas has more wins against Power 5 opponents than Oregon, even though Texas has more wins against bowl-eligible opponents than Oregon, even though Texas has uh, more wins in that top 35 FPI than Oregon 5-3, to even though Texas has all that, you know what they say? Man, Oregon looks good. I mean, they're passing the eye test. They're like, wait, so are we looking at eye tests? Or are we looking at like the metrics and uh, of the measurements of what we're supposed to be doing? And so because of that, for me, Texas cannot get into uh, a window dressing and eye test, any kind of things, because they're, they're already failing the quote unquote eye test, right? Ohio State lost and was still ranked ahead of them. So I think if, if Texas wins, they'll jump over Ohio State. But I don't like Texas being in any scenario with two SEC teams, because I think you probably lose your your committee vote if you don't vote in at least one SEC team. Are you surprised Quinn Ewers decides he's coming back next year? No. Quinn Ewers needs to come back for for another season. You know, there's a couple of things that that I that are, that you got to realize as relates to Quinn. Right. First of all, he's been hurt. Uh, just about every year he's been a starter since his junior year in high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Since his junior year in high school, he had to have hernia surgery. He had cracked ribs uh, as well. Uh, obviously the, the, the Ohio state thing doesn't count because he doesn't play right. Then his first year at Texas, what happens? He has a shoulder injury. He has to miss some time. Well, this past year he has an injury. He has to miss some time. If you're going to go to the NFL, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to show them that you can stay up right for 17 games. Like this is, GMs, this is how you lose your job. You know how you lose your job? You draft a quarterback in the first round and they don't work out. 
right? So you you won't lose you won't lose your job for most other positions, but you'll lose it for that. So he needs to come back. He needs to reps. He's also been rushed. Like he he's skip he's a guy who you know skips his senior year of high school in order to go in and start playing college ball. He basically is on campus for about a year or so, and then he's a starter there at Texas, right? There's this, something that they're starting to feel like, you know what, might need to slow this thing down. So give him another year of growth, of development, staying healthy, and now go to the SEC next year. Ball out there. And now all of a sudden, instead of if you go into it this year, as we're maybe like your, you know, your day two pick, go to the SEC, have a fantastic year. Now you started to enter the conversation of could you be the number one overall pick, depending on who comes back. So I think it makes all the sense of the world uh, for him, the development, because if you keep continuing to rush it and rush it, uh, bad things can happen. We we know the transfer portal era. Every time I look down uh, on <laughs> X, formerly Twitter, I'm seeing a different quarterback center <laughs> the portal. Has yeah. there been any dip in enthusiasm from either Arch Manning and his camp or Texas football people about Arch Manning and his ability in his one year now with the Texas Longhorns? No, the, 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 there's a couple, there's two things at play here. One is that the Manning family believes in development okay so they believe in the development of the quarterback i think people look at this thing out of their own lens and really what we look at to your point right the transfer portal we're in an era right now if things don't go your way kids take their ball and they go home right it's just i don't like it the coach didn't do this i didn't play right away i'm, I'm going to head on out right but they understand that if they rush it what could happen so there's a thing like Arch, when he played high school in New Orleans, played in class 2A ball. OK, so there's still and even though he's a Manning, he still has to get used to the speed of college football and major college football. So that that's one. There's still some growth and development that needs to happen. That's two. And they're not necessarily willing to rush it. They also like Steve Sarkeesian a lot. So they believe he's a good quarterback developer. So they're not really to run away from him just because he's not starting. And I'll be honest with you, be honest with you. They feel like he can come back next season and, and, and win the job. Now, I don't know what will happen. We'll see what will happen. But there's confidence within that Manning camp that if given the, given the opportunity of Malik Murphy transfers and it's just him and Quinn, that, hey, he might be good enough to take that job. And even if he isn't, and even if he's not ready, and look, it would be, be hard for Steve Sarkeesian to take turn down a two-year starter and say, I'm going to go with someone young. Quinn Ewers, in his injury history, has shown you like, hey, you may have an opportunity to play and get some reps. So it wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world. But the thing that was always communicated to me um, coming in, and as crazy as it is to sound, was, hey, He's got five years to get out of college. We're not in a hurry. So I, I, you're going to hear a lot of different things. You're going to hear a lot of different speculation, but everything I've been told and communicated to, whether it's from the UT side or the Manny camp side, they seem to be fine as of right now. And they can change, but as of right now, uh, he's quite all right. We have Billy Lucci on the show a lot. So we know the Love A&M Billy. viewpoint of, of Texas entering the SEC, right? What is the Texas perspective of not just entering the conference, but having A&M there as a rival within the conference and the hiring of Mike Elko, knowing the resources they have there at A&M? I'm curious just to get the Longhorn side of this 
and what they feel like they're getting into now in the SEC with that in-state rival back in the same conference? Yeah, well, first of all, I would tell you that the, from the Texas side, they feel like they're doing much better than Texas A&M at this moment, right? They feel like they, well, are, they are trending, <laughs> yeah, they're I mean, trending in it. the right direction, yeah. right? And so the Elko thing doesn't necessarily wasn't the hire that they looked at and said to themselves, Ooh, I can't believe that they were did that. Texas is 11 and one uh, competing for a big 12 championship uh, with the possibility of getting into the playoffs. They feel very good about Steve Sarkeesian, where recruiting is at, where the program is headed. Uh, they feel really good. There was one thing that Texas wanted to make sure that they did was have momentum going into the SEC. And look, there is momentum going into the SEC. They went into Bama and won, right? Yeah. So if you want to feel confident, like they feel really good that, hey, they went into Tuscaloosa. Steve Sarkeesian will tell you, they went into Tuscaloosa and he feels like they had the most impressive victory out of anybody in this college football season, right? So Texas feels really good. I don't necessarily feel like they're worried about AM. They feel like AM is kind of in a little bit of shambles. Elko would be a, a good hire for them, but not necessarily someone that would have just, you know, they, they look at it and say, how do we hand, handle this, right? I don't necessarily view it like that. They want the rivalry, of course. Like, they want that rivalry back, and they don't want to renew it, uh, and they feel, you know, good about it. But overall, Texas feels like they're in a much better place uh, than A&M at this moment. Anwar Richardson, our guest, uh, orangebloods.com is where you can find uh, his work and the great coverage of Texas. Um, so uh, has Brett Yormark attended a Texas game all season? Yes. And, okay. Last and, two. He's been at the last two. Okay. Uh, what has the vibe been like when he's there around the Longhorns, period? And mm -hmm. uh, knowing that this is Texas's final Big 12 game, the significance of that. And, and we've got about a minute left, but just okay. the perspective of what the game means for the program and, and how the rest of the conference doesn't want Texas to win this game. Um, there's not a lot of love for Brett Yormark because of the comments that he made, yeah. uh, you know, prior to the season, uh, after uh, Texas clinched um, the uh, the big the spot into the Big Twelve championship game, they actually on the jumbotron played Yormark's comments <laughs> for the entire fan base. This is before the game had ended, and then <laughs> they said, "See you in Arlington." Afterwards, and the crowd went wild. So they've been all about this embrace the hate thing. Um, it's going to be interesting because Yormark, if he has to hand over the trophy on Saturday. Yeah. I don't know what that's. I don't think Texas fans are going to greet him very kindly. Uh, he brought it upon himself, but uh, they've been talking about embrace the hate, and so be it. Uh, that's the that's kind of they like the villain role at this moment. A final thing for you. Um, so the debate about uh, Jordan Travis not there mm -hmm. for FSU, and we, Chad and I agree. Like if F FSU is unbeaten ACC, they they should be in. Have you considered what the view would be on Texas if Quinn Ewers didn't return? What the view would be like? Yeah, like what if, we, if Arch is if Arch is the quarterback, then I think no, the, no, the I'm saying is, from injury, from the shoulder. Oh, well, I mean, they were able to get by, you know, for two weeks uh, with a, with a backup quarterback, right? So, um, you know, was it sexy by any stretch of the imagination? But they were were able to get by uh, there. Are you talking about like 
if he was just Malik for the entire year. Yeah, or as opposed. Yeah, I'm just, well, just the oh, just Texas to finish it off with the backup. Game. Yeah, okay. Te- Te- Texas loses a game or so probably with Malik. As much as I like him as a good yeah. young man, yeah. uh, he was turning over the ball way too much, and that I think that would have caught up and, and bit Texas in the butt at at some point. Yes. Uh, Alward, thank you for the time, man. A great perspective, and uh, we can't wait for championship weekend. Chad's going to uh, rank the the ten championship games coming up uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's going to be pretty good, just based on. I, I, hey, if, and if Oklahoma State does something, uh, uh, Gundy, never know. It's going to be going to be fireworks either way. Thank you so much, yeah. Alward. Appreciate it. All right, guys, take care. Yeah, thank you, man. Uh, Orangebloods.com. Uh, I really he was great by the way. Yeah. I really want to get him back on and ask exactly what Matthew McConaughey does as Minister of Culture because I'm a huge McConaughey fan and I want to know the actual job description. Or if or if it's just him getting oh, the, a sideline pass for games. No, the city gave him the d- job description. He's he's uh, commented on it. Oh, there are many people that believe he will be the governor of Texas in the next 8 years. That that is his path that he's on right now. That he is going to run for political office and be the governor of that state. At some I mean, point, I, I and I love McConaughey. I I'm I'm a big fan, and that's great if you can get a guy of his. He's caliber chasing. He's chasing his future self. Remember that, Chad. Yes, I. I uh, we need a whole segment with Anwar to really unpack <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's role within the program. Maybe more than a segment uh, to unpack Could be a show McConaughey. Yeah. Right. Coming up, uh, three hours. Texas is having to tell. The local media coverage hey help promote us i thought that was i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. College football coverage in general. Sixth and Peabody, our location for the Outkick Studio. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on here on the Outkick Network. Chad, I think um, when you hear Matthew McConaughey's the Minister of Culture for Austin, you think of uh, at least what comes to mind is like some gimmick, like uh, the corporate ministry from WWE or something. You know, it's like a made yeah. up. Just a made-up title. Yeah. Uh, so he's got like the part ownership or whatever in the soccer team there. And and they held a press conference about uh, and it, straight from uh, the Austin City website. They Matthew McConaughey named ministry uh, Minister of Culture. And the, uh, the quotes here, as Minister of Culture, McConaughey is attempting to rally the attention and support of university students, fans, alums, and the surrounding community of Austin and around the university, a shared purpose. And the quote from McConaughey at a press conference, for a, I, I need there to be uh, someone who knows Austin really well, and that the two are mirror images of each other, talking about his soccer team. Uh, and he wants to align the soccer team with Austin. When you take a snapshot of the stadium, or any given night that we play, you should be able to see the crowd, uh, colors, and the vibrance of Austin, Texas. So anything he does uh, is the approach to brands in the city. And then those brands can also attach themselves to him as the minister of culture. There you go. 
I think every major program, if you oh. have access to a fan, alum, anyone that Will is Farrell. a big time, Will Ferrell at USC is a great example, but if someone that is a celebrity to this extent, then you utilize them all you can. Kudos to Texas for doing it. Kudos to Matthew McConaughey for being okay with it and doing it. Uh, I love it. I love McConaughey, and I think it's awesome for Texas. Yeah, but I, 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 the seriousness of it is just funny. Uh, and and uh, the the cool approach to it that he's always got. Maybe maybe he does end up being the governor of Texas, Chad. Uh, he might. He's going to end up being uh, uh, Kevin Costner on uh, Yellowstone also. So anything's possible. He's, he can do it all. Um, so Sarkeesian's having to tell the Texas Longhorns media to – they should be pushing for the fact of making the case that the Longhorns should be in the college football playoff. I, I, I thought literally this was just a, a given. Yes. Think about the coverage of Alabama basketball in Tuscaloosa or uh, all of the um, uh, street racing and issues in Athens, Georgia, or what's gone down in Auburn before anywhere. I'm just picking three it, name a place. Uh, and you're telling me in Austin, those that cover the Longhorns don't know that it it benefits everyone if they're in the college football playoff. Of course, you're going to make the case for that instead of going to insert bowl name Pop Tart Bowl here. Well, the whole uh, the whole concept of um, of media and journalism and sports media it shifts from market to market and from website to website, yeah, and newspaper to newspaper. Because the old look at it, and this is the way most people who go to journalism school would view it. You don't pick a side. Even if you're on the beat and covering a team, you're not a fan of that team. So it is not your job to petition for something that the coach of the team you're covering is telling you to root for or to push out there that this should be something that you're selling. But as we all know, the media business has changed uh, in most ways for the worse. And there are plenty. We just had one on, on Anwar Richardson, who works for a website that the population of that website is virtually all Longhorn fans that are going to that website. Well, you've got a job to do. Your job is not just to cover the team and to give facts about the team and to give information about the team. Your job is to also pull in viewers to the website and the viewers of that website that are Texas Longhorn fans. Guess what they want to read about? They want to read your argument for why Texas should be in the four-team playoff. They don't want, even if it is your actual opinion that Texas does not belong, they don't want you giving the reasons other teams are going to get in and not the team they're there to read about, right? That's logic. That, that, that's what they're looking for. So then it's this age-old question of, are you there to give fans of the team that you're writing about what they're looking for and just what they want and giving them dessert all the time? Or are you there to feed them their broccoli and vegetables and to make sure they're getting that part of it too? Or make sure they're seeing a contradictory opinion to their own predetermined opinion based on their fandom of that team? And I don't know the answer to that. I just know that media companies are out there trying to make money too. And they found the best way to make money is to cater and pander to a specific fan base that goes to that website. And I understand that part of the business. This has been going on for a long time. This is nothing new. I don't know why Steve Sarkeesian feels the need to say that. 
I don't think it's a great look when a coach is saying, you guys should be doing this and making sure that we're getting coverage about why we should be in the playoffs. Or the fact he has to state it. And I also don't blame Steve Sarkeesian for, I don't even know if it's confusion about the way the media industry works. This is how it works when you're talking about fan base media that is covering a specific team. It's no mystery as to what goes on a lot well, of times. Well, yeah, I mean, um, but also like, if you're if we're discussing like the hard hitting um, investigations, rules violations, recruiting violations, whatever, most of the time that's you know the Yahoo and Wetzel, you know, and and Robinson and others. It's not insert team and mascot name website that's right there, boots on the ground, right? That's uh, that's that's been going on for a long time. You're in uh, by and large, fans want the dessert they don't it, No, that they do and that's and all also, they want. there's yeah. there's a different i joke about journalism with a capital j and i joke about it because i think a lot of people who fashion themselves as journalists with a capital j are not and they're For lying sure. to themselves they're lying to you acting yeah. like they are so i think in sports media there are other parts of coverage that you don't need a you don't need fan base journalism right and with more important serious matters you need facts you need journalists with a capital J. That is definitely needed. Even in sports, we need the Andrea Kramers of the yes. world, the long-form journalism that is journalism with a capital J, whether that be on television, whether that be digital, whether it be newspapers, whatever. You still need some of that. But I also think, Hutton, what we're saying is there is a space in the sports world, right? This is kind of the dessert part of the buffet. There's a space for fan base specific media, that is going to give you the fan slanted view of that team. And that's fine. I, I don't have a huge issue with that. I think when we read a, a you mentioned, you know, Charles Robinson report, we are assuming Charles Robinson doesn't care about one team or over another and is writing from a news breaking standpoint or giving their honest opinion on it. When we go to orangebloods.com, I'm assuming I'm getting the Texas slant. Sure, on but, something. but uh, a well-informed and, that's okay. and, and a trustworthy news of course. cycle. That's why I like and Billy Lucci so much. there's various levels of that, too. Oh, you know, yeah. we, we know a lot of but, uh, Billy Lucci. Who's an Aggie. Does a great job with Texas. The, right. He doesn't lie about that either. Right. Like That is that's, an Aggie website. Exactly. So you're going to get the Aggie slant on it, even though they're going to do good reporting and good work. Yes. Billy's the one reporting everything about the coaching search. Yep. He's the first one to get that information. Well, he's backstage with Metallica. So that's good reporting and good journalism, but it doesn't have to be journalism with a capital J. Right. Not in not in this this space. That doesn't have to be the case. So well, it also sounds some, like some people get bent out of shape about it. I, I don't really care. And I know exactly what Steve Sarkeesian is saying and what he's wanting with this. I don't think he necessarily needed to say it. I think it's understood. <sighs> Right? Apparently not to him. If, he, if He's the one being asked the question to make the case about it. Also, you know, I, I don't think it matters because the bigger point, with I'm saying what the coverage of the websites that cover teams are saying that's, that's about fu- if they should be yeah. or not. Here's what matters and what's the ultimate sticking point. What does ESPN want? Well, they that, want that, Saban that's over Sark. The one, that's the one we can dive into. He's having to tell his local media to say it and – Saban, meanwhile, is going to be on ESPN anytime he wants to be on. Right. That that's the issue that Weekly I with McAfee. That's the issue that I have with it is, you know that that's that's the corruption point of sport and where it's not being maybe as pure as it can be Chad, is what does the network want? And all I, that's over the why pace for the rights. I will be stunned, stunned 
if there's not a team from the SEC in the college football playoff with the media rights deal and where it's headed with the SEC and the rights holder for the college football playoff? Well, they also have the Big 12. Well, uh, ESPN does. I mean, they're definitely you still have two in teams line from the SEC. With, <laughs> with ESPN. I mean, ESPN is all SEC. If Bama SEC beats is all Georgia, ESPN, ABC, the SEC, SEC Network. I'm just saying that if Bama beats Georgia, the SEC is getting a team in. With the, if we're going to the network aspect of it, just the, just based on who you're loyal to, right, and where you're going to be, um, Kenny Payne. I don't know how much longer Louisville's going to be loyal to their basketball coach, but Chad, you sent this link. Uh, there are so many ways to break this down about a player, and I'll let you set this up. But it, it, leggings weren't uh, weren't good enough for the first half versus the second half, and uh, the coach had to explain why. Yeah, uh, we have the video. I don't think we can play it, though, right? No, we've got the audio of okay, it Okay, we do have the audio. So here's uh, Kenny Payne on a player not wanting to play because uh, he just didn't uh, look good. You ready for this? I probably shouldn't tell you this. We didn't have the tights that he wanted, so he didn't know if he wanted to play. Oh, yeah. What? You heard it. We didn't have the tights that he wanted that we've never had for him. And he decided, I don't feel like I can go. That's what young people do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even know. But he figured it out in the second half. He accepted the fact that we didn't have the tights that we've never had for him. And he played, and he played well. Next. Well, at least, it, you know, he after the first half, he decided, hey, maybe I'm being unreasonable here. They never really have had these tights for me, so now I'm going to play even without the tights. What? Um, is, what oh, my. I mean, bad. I, I'm not even upset with the, with the player anymore. Bad. They, the coach they, put him in the second half after he refused to play based on tights. Yeah, they, they squeaked one out against Bellarmine last night, another small school in Louisville, 73-68. to 68. They beat New Mexico what? State in overtime, 90-84. They've lost to Indiana. They've lost to Texas. Uh, and they lost to Chattanooga. They're actually doing better. They've got a close win over Maryland-Baltimore County, uh, but they're, they played Texas close. Louisville was an atrocity a year ago, and it started out really poorly again this year, and I think they lost one of their exhibition games before the season. Uh, it's a bad, bad basketball program under Kenny Payne, but it is a bad, bad state of affairs that we're sitting here talking about a kid on scholarship at Louisville, of all places, for basketball which is a basketball power, should be, should be a formidable basketball program, right? In the state of Kentucky with the history of that school that is saying he's not going to play without a certain type of tights that he doesn't have before the game. Just a little over two minutes. Even the uh, opposing coach is like, I'm, that's a first for me. And I'm with you, Hutton. I think this is Kenny Payne trying to place the blame on the player and on the players. And he's, he is at least being honest. I like that. With what was going on. Because he said, I probably shouldn't but say this. If he, if he thought that's going to make him look better, or like it's not his responsibility, it doesn't. Because so, I hear that and think, this is a program that's run amok. Yes. Um, so the, the layers to this, Chad. You've got uh, Johnson, the player. Who, not just layers of tights and not shorts. Not just layers of tights, And underwear right. and everything else. Different uh, layers. Uh, we're talking about uh, Courier-Journal headline. Uh, Johnson, too crucial for Louisville basketball to be uptight about wardrobe. And so he's a player that is worthy of being the starting lineup. Did what a play after just two and a half minutes in the first half, then decided to play after halftime. Coach is willing to say it. Basically, what he's saying is, I've got to placate to this because if I don't, 
we're going to lose and I have no chance of sticking around here. That is nuts. Well, I don't understand. Nuts. Is now the argument being that there's some sort of coach-led uniform policy that's in violation with the tights and he's no. saying he can't wear it and he's no, worn he's it before? No, he's wearing this compression thing on his leg for a groin injury for a while. The quote from Payne is, these young kids now think, I don't feel good today. I can just shut it down. Well, that affects a whole lot of lives. He's right. Yeah. I, He's right. Coaches, There's a lot of people that rely on, on this. A lot of people you, that are employed, a lot of teammates, a lot of classmates. Uh, I, it, it's a sad state. Look, it's a sad state of affairs. They didn't give him the title, but they played him. You know? Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, <laughs> there is – I talked to a high school, a longtime high school basketball coach recently, and um, he told me that he was surprised that someone that we knew was getting into it right now and starting to coach because a lot of the good coaches he knows that have been at it for a while are getting out because of kids today. And someone's going to hear this and say, oh, you sound like old man you know, uh, get, get off my lawn type guy. It's true. I'm, I'm hearing this from someone who's not that old, who's saying it is very difficult to coach kids today because they all feel like they have a say. And someone say, well, maybe they should, but it's a different mindset of it's not just, hey, do what the coach says. I have your best interest in mind. The kid is saying, well, maybe I know better than the coach. I have it so, so bad. So I should do it this way. And I've got it so bad now under you. Why are you the one that's leading me? It's, it's a weird, weird world we live in in sports now. And Kenny Payne is basically. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply just admitting what a lot of people already know. Yeah. Sad. Got to have your tights. Sad. It is. We preview Thursday Night Football next. Hot my with Hutton and Withrow rolls on. Chad, I, this is going to come across um, as a knock. It is not a knock. Uh, we were discussing um, Davey with the, uh, the Predators sweater. The sweater? Yeah. The, that blinds jumps. me every it time blinds. he wears it. This, I, I call it your coaching jacket now. Oh, this one? Uh, yeah. It is a perfect jacket for you. Uh, Thank you, you Hudden. Um, I think you look like a coach. I don't mean that in a bad way. No, I look, uh, I look I, like I coaches now because they dress down too much. Yes, they, yeah. I, I liked it when coaches oh, wore I, suits. You should. You should wear. A, you should wear a suit. I was watching. You make uh, it the championship. You're wearing a suit. I was watching Tennessee, North Carolina last night. Rick Barnes wears something like this for every game. Uh, Hubert Davis was wearing shirt jacket slacks, no tie. I like that look. Nate Oates at Alabama has the same look. Never wears a tie, but wears shirt and jacket for every game. I, I prefer coaches. Have I? Go back to dressing up for games. I, I agree. Have I, I, I don't know if I've told the Hubert Davis story at a basketball camp I went to um, growing up. I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, I, can't, I can't wait to hear you, this. You want to say something on the, uh, the suit? Slash jacket for Chad? Yeah, so, well, it wasn't just Tell so much for Chad. You, you look fantastic, Thank sir. You. Know what I was going to say? It looks like uh, a coach. Uh, one of my, my previous stops, you, we had a, a punishment, and the punishment, again, the show started at like 7 a.m. local time. You had to wear a suit for a week. 
So oh, wow. I don't know. That's something we could we could add as as we get some of these games going. I don't know. Maybe NFL Eliminator. Whoever has the most Dude, losses. Full suit. Yeah. I remember um, as a pledge in a fraternity having to wear a full suit to football games yeah. freshman year. And looking back, I'm yeah. like, that's just – it was so uncomfortable. Yeah, that's why you're and the balanced also, man. And also, this was at the time where like balanced suits, man scholarship. Was that suits didn't fit right. You know, like you had like a baggier suit, yeah. you know, in the early aughts. 2003 uh, NBA draft class photo. What do you mean, do you mean back in the day? I'm like – like right now for me? No, no. You're very well dressed. I'm saying two, in 2000, when I'm a pledging a fraternity, and the, the suits were like loose and hot. The material was hot, and we're you know it's 95 degrees at games, and yeah, we're wearing August and September. We're wearing wool, and we got the camel hair in, in the summer. I don't. Let's put it this way: all the young sorority girls, I don't think we're looking at me and our group and thinking. Man, that's a really nice looking group. Very, very well dressed this game. Because there's just a bunch of sweaty 18 year old dudes in full suits for a football game looking completely out of place. <laughs> that was all it was. So the uh, girls in college can get away with uh, dressing up for the game and looking yeah. good doing it. Right. And they're typically wearing like less. When guys yeah. wear more to a football game, like it's 1948 and everybody's in a suit and a fedora. Yeah. It, or it the seer never, sucker. never comes across as, as well. They won't let you wear the, or have the corncob pipe either anymore. So that, no, that takes away from that, the look. That does, that does hurt. I have the Lou Holtz pipe. There's a time and a place for everything. And my point is, uh, suits a at a football game, that's not the time or place and to, when you're visiting That's right. Yeah. Um, I, where I went, we just wore a, a polo or a T-shirt to the game. We weren't even cool enough to wear a baggy suit. Oh, it was just, um, that was just like the pledge semester. Well, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was done after that. Uh, but uh, at... At Middle Tennessee, Chad, um, head coach at the time, basketball team, Randy Will, who is on the bench with Dean Smith. Uh, uh, for was he the, from the Bahamas? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it spoke like seven languages. Uh, anyway, so he coached at North Carolina. And every year there would be this massive buildup for who the special guest player was going to be the day before the, um, the camp ended, the weekly or the week-long summer camp. And for whatever reason, everyone that year was like, they were certain Jordan oh my. was the guest. Okay. Now I'm like, no way. Randy Will's even playing this up, this former coach. Uh, at the end of the camp, they announce, and here's one of my former players, Hubert Davis. <laughs> and there was like a smattering of, of applause. Not... <laughs> Not because it was, you know, you get the former NBA player. So Randy it, Will played this up, though? He, he was played just laughing and kind of, he uh, you, you can't say, you know, it, it, this is like from like fifth grade to 10th grade, I think it was the camp. Um, and then you have the, the current college players who are some of the coaches. They weren't dressed as well as you were right now or are right now. I mean, uh, but the, the, I, I just, I, for whatever reason, I remember Hubert Davis' reaction. He was like, wow, love, thanks. You know, it was like the uh, the awful applause just because you feel like you don't want the person coming out on stage to feel awkward, so you just kind of randomly clap. The best would have been if you booed and then Randy Will did uh, a yeah. Greg Popovich and got the mic and yeah. uh, we're better you will than cheer that. Him. We're better than that here at Middle. You're gonna you're gonna stop booing. We'll support we're better him. than this. That's also a true disservice from Randy Will to allow well, that rumor it, to continue. He didn't. He did. He Only just because at, you know that, like, you got to say, like, guys, Michael Jordan's not gonna be here. We're gonna have a great guest. You know, show them your attention. Uh, give them your appreciation. Uh, it's a former NBA player, but it's not Michael Jordan. You gotta, 
squash that because kids are naturally going to be disappointed. I would be what, disappointed um, if Hubert Davis walked in and I was expecting and now See, now I'm drawing a blank, and if I hadn't brought this up, I could name it. Is it Mon, uh, the uh, tall white guy for Carolina? Montross? Mon, Mon, Eric Montross. Eric Montross. The year before was Eric Montross. That's a big one. And he was the, uh, currently an NBA player at the time. So everyone he's was, like the radio guy now, or he was, he? I know. Yeah. He's their color guy. So, on radio. Yeah, that, so, and you know, if you're in the fifth or sixth grade, you're like, Oh yeah, this is going to be MJ now. Cause they, we, they had played up the game that you can see coach will on the bench with Jordan. I mean, on. a true disservice again, that Randy will allowed this Hubert rumor Davis. to have, have the, yeah. the, the legs that it did big win for Hubert Davison. The Tar Heels. But it was. They look really, really good. Last night. That lo- looks like last year was um, a glitch in the radar where they had a, their preseason top five, truly disappointing year, did not make the NCAA tournament, opted, I believe, to not even participate in the NIT when they were invited. And uh, they're back this year. They, they, look, they look a lot better. Chet, um, tonight, Seahawks on the road in Dallas for Thursday night football. Uh, Cowboys right now favored by seven. Over under 46 and a half. Take the under. Take the under uh, in prime time. Davey's going to, uh, uh, he can update the numbers if he can find that. If not, just know it's very lopsided. Under the lights in prime time. Davey is what? Uh, minus nine for the Cowboys. Minus nine now. Okay. And uh, the unders are hitting 47 and a half right now is where the total's at. Okay. Unders are hitting. I continue well, I'm going to do it right now. Until I'm, I'm they, taking your until advice. Until Vegas adjusts to whatever the trends are and they get these over unders right. Continue to do that. Um, all but one has been under. Is that uh, right? That's that for was Monday for Monday night. night. Okay. Yeah. But overall, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, and London, extremely lopsided, like nearly, what, 70%, I believe, yeah. hitting it's, the under. Uh, best through the wild card air, by far. Yeah. Uh, bad offense. Good offense in Dallas, though. So if you're betting that, I'm just saying that Seattle may not be scoring. I'm going, all I'm that going much. under. Going under right now, Hudden. Um, so I'm also looking at the matchup, and I'm just. From a fantasy football perspective, I, I think you love if you've got um, Prescott. Don't you have Prescott? I Jeff? do, yeah. Against the Seattle secondary? My, we have an old smoky uh, yeehaw fantasy football league, the only one I'm in. I was one and six at one point. I'm now seven and six. Yeah. You so are I the Denver I've, I've won five, six and you six. Are Sean I've, won, Payton. I've won five straight. You are Sean I am Payton. the Sean Payton, except no one traded for me and gave up any draft picks, but I am the Sean Payton of this fantasy league. Will Chad... Select the Broncos in this week's NFL Eliminator matchup. We'll find out. I've, I've got the first pick this week. Um, last week, we all won, didn't we? No. No, I we lost. Had the Lions. I had the Lions. Oh, you had the Lions. The That's waxing right gibbous moon, man. I think, uh, yeah, because we left on Wednesday and you said, you know uh, what? I, I bet with my heart Some on Thanksgiving, always watching the Lions. These Lions game. are winning. I thought you were spot on. Uh, Davey gets uh, Dallas t- to win. I went with Baltimore. They hang on. Uh, and win by 10 against the Chargers. I've got first pick this week. You do. And I'm taking Jacksonville um, to win. Um, and I don't know when I'm going to be looking forward to a Jacksonville matchup as they go for the number one seed in the AFC. But they're playing great. And they have multiple weapons offensively. Defensively, 18, 19 uh, takeaways on the season. They get the ball. Uh, they also turn it over too much. But, Chad, not this week. Give me Jacksonville to win. Uh, I, um, if you guys remember week one, going all the way back to week one, I almost got screwed over by the commanders. 
I took the Commanders yes. to beat the Cardinals in week oh. one, thinking I'm going to get a bad team out of the way because they're playing a much worse team. And I, yeah. I, the Commanders won by four points, 20 to 16. But almost that, that almost cost me. I'm really hoping that the Commanders don't cost me again. This time, though, I'm betting against the Commanders. Give me the Dolphins with a little bit of extra time. They played mm-hmm. the Black Friday game. So nine days in between games, give me the Dolphins as almost a double-digit favorite to win against Davies, Washington Commanders. I don't know if you know this or not, but that was the first ever Black Friday game for the NFL. Yeah, I don't know. uh, They're still repeating that. They need to probably need to cool it on that, considering the ratings for that game was lower than any prime video Thursday night game this year. Davey, who are you going with? That's a great question, Hut. I'm going with the Lions. I was looking at the graphic. I know you had them two weeks ago. Chad took them last yeah. week. And uh, so we kind of just got like the tic-tac-toe kind of thing going with that on the graphic. I understand they did not look good this past week. And I'm not even looking at the numbers whenever I know they're going down to face the Saints. And, hey, that's a good environment. But I just can't see Dan Campbell and this team losing two games in a row, especially with the extended rest. And they're just going to be ready to play this go around. I, I also think this is just a, a fascinating thing. I, I came across the Lions' final seven games are going to be played in a dome. That's pretty interesting that is, in today's that is, NFL. That is interesting. Um, I am very nervous about this pick for you, Davey, even though you're wearing Lions colors today, which means that the Lions will probably win by 21 points. If, I, if I'm worried about it, it means it's going to go the opposite way. It's a way. big game for Dennis Allen and, and company. Um, after dropping to Atlanta last week, they need to have a big win. This would do that. But So, Jared Goff, though, has been turning the football over a lot. And hey, there for a at, while, he had that streak of yeah. like 380-something passes without yeah, throwing what, a pick. What, like 10 touchdowns to one turnover, I believe. And now it's like been a string of interceptions and fumbles, lost fumbles. Uh yeah, Jameson I, Williams got a pick with the pace too. I, I didn't feel great about this pick. I think you guys both well, both had the the I'm best not, picks on the board. No, I, I like I like Detroit simply because of New Orleans. I don't. I, I, we had the topic earlier this week about who we're just tired of watching. I I'm tired of watching Derek Carr. I mean, it's just I'm tired uh, of watching him. I'm tired of watching the Chargers. There's a number yeah, of teams. Yeah, but right I don't now. hate Herbert. Yeah, I enjoy watching Justin Herbert. I mean, I just uh, Derek Carr. Um, it, it, it is the teams backup is, quarterback. Is Justin Herbert gonna be Philip Rivers 2.0? Never win anything well, of merit. He, at this point, he's going to have to win more to be Philip Rivers 2.0 because he's not winning to the level that Philip Rivers won. That's a sad thing with him. He's 30 and 30 right now. Yeah. Philip Rivers. make a 30 for 30. Philip Rivers about made an AFC championship game. That one I don't point. know if you know this, but Brandon Staley's calling the defensive plays, Chad. He, he wants to let you know that, too. He does. And uh, the defense, at least for one day, was not the problem than a loss. He was clear to point that out, too. Um, Cowboys tied for the second best record in the NFC. And. You've got Dallas and Prescott. You've got a chance to prove uh, you could beat a good team going up December 10th. That's when they'll face uh, Philly again in the rematch. Uh, but if you're looking for uh, a high seed in the NFC for postseason play, Dallas got to win tonight. And I think one of the surprises could end up being McCarthy. We're talking a hot seat. I don't. I don't think it's that big of a surprise. But he's not even listed if, if in the don't... top group now for. Uh, Biggest chance to be fired. Like, I don't think he's in the top 10 for Vegas odds currently. Well, and the thing on top of that as well is they're going to be going on the road to play their playoff game. Well, and they're 3-3 three and three on the road this year. They're 5-0 and oh at home. And they're trying to get to their first NFC title game and Super Bowl since, what was it, 95? 
Dad, whenever we were wearing baggy suits. The, the one thing they have going for so them. It was even baggier in 95 than it was in 2000. And Prescott's 2-4 in the postseason. Here, 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 here it is. Here's why it could be terrible for McCarthy. They're likely going to be the five seed playing whoever wins the a or the NFC South, and we know that division's terrible. They're probably yeah. going to have a losing record, whoever is ultimately repping that, whether it be Atlanta or New Orleans at this point. And if you lose that game, that's you, probably going to be enough going into an entire offseason where you know the conversation is just going to be you had one of the easiest playoff games to win and you couldn't even get it done. Yeah, and I mean, if you win that game against the NFC South, you're probably well we'll know because of the tiebreaker that the significance of Philly and San Francisco this week if you think they're one and two you're on the road at one of those two games and they've lost to San Francisco in the divisional round two straight years after having 12 win regular seasons um yeah must win if you want to compete for the top spot in the NFC East against Philly back at it tomorrow three o'clock Eastern hot my with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network